Welcome to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, where our goal is to connect listeners to the great outdoors with hosts Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. I'm host Ben Brandell, owner of Meant to Be Outdoors, instructor of outdoor skills, and passionate about personal growth. I'm host Brian Hoffmeyer, wildlife biologist and avid outdoorsman. Welcome back to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. I'm your host, Brian, with my co-host, Ben. And in today's episode, we're going to be talking about how to prepare you and your family for natural disaster. Before we get into sharing all of those details, we need to give thanks. I want to thank everyone that has been um, praying for my family, especially my son. My son's been sick with uh, basically it's autoimmune, autoimmune disease. And uh, I think we're at the end of it. However, we're, we're still not out of it yet. And uh, I know a lot of people have been praying. A lot of people have been reaching out and, and asking about how he's doing. And, and they're just really, they can't wait to see God answer their prayers. So I um, want to thank everyone that has been um, keeping my son in their prayers. Yeah, we definitely have been praying. We, we can't wait to see the healing in the end, um, and we believe there is a healing in the end to, to what he's got going on, which which we are thankful for. And he's been strong, and y'all have been strong and tough, and doing their doctor's visits and the medicine and, and doing what you can do as a human with what God has provided to fight through that. Um, and we do. We do have the trust and the hope and the belief that we are going to see resolution and, and healing with, with Bodie. Absolutely. I can't wait, and until then, I'll keep praising him. Yeah. So what I am thankful for today, uh, you know— as we sit down and record this today, yesterday was 9-11. Mm-hmm. The day to remember uh, that tragic thing that happened in our country, the tragic attack and thousands of people lost their lives. And I was in seventh grade when it happened. I remember it vividly. Uh, I guess that would have put you like, oh, I don't know. You're like, you already graduated college or <laughs> I something. I was in right? high school, okay? <laughs> I was in high school. I wasn't out of, co- or I wasn't out of high school yet. But... Again, we remember where it was because it was such yeah. a significant event. Yep. But what I want to give thanks for is all of our first responders. You know, we're talking about natural disaster. These are people that sign up to say, I will be the person, the first person to run into that for you. Yeah. I'll be that person. I'm going to sign up. And they get paid for that. But I'll be honest, that ain't it isn't enough. You know, no. we heard a, an ad. My wife and I were in the car and we heard an ad on the radio for a uh, uh, police department that was hiring police officers and they were like hoorah the starting pay is now fifty thousand dollars and we both looked at each other and said well that ain't enough yeah not not to put your life on the line right yeah and so thank you to to those who are thank you to the families that support uh police officers firefighters emts even our medical staff like the people that are are signing up for their job every day to be the first ones there to serve and help people in dangerous situations. I'm just so thankful that people have uh, a heart to do that. Yes, absolutely. And we are going to talk about more about first responders in a little bit. So, um, but on that note of 9-11, I wanted to teach my son about 9-11 on 9-11. And that was really hard to do. I, I thought he would understand what happened, but he had more questions and it was so difficult to truly answer him. And at the end of it, I was just like, listen, that is now in our history books. We're old enough that it's, it's in our history books now. And I was like, as you get older, you will learn, learn more about it. But 
he was, you know, when you use the word like terrorists and uh, they took over the plane, how do you take over the plane? Like, mm-hmm. he had so many Sounds great like a questions. movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It didn't sound real, I, th- I think, to him. And uh, didn't feel real the day that it happened. It solemn. I don't know what the word is. Like, it, everything did stop. Like, mm-hmm. we didn't learn anymore. There was no lessons to be had. I, we literally sat in every hour we went to a different class and the TVs were on and we watched to see what was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, very. Very odd, very strange day. Yeah. Yes. And be, yeah, because we were teenagers, we were old enough to kind of comprehend, but not really old enough to fully like what this means. Like right. what? Maybe nobody really knew, but I think adults probably knew. Like, all right, this we're about our country's about to go to war. Right. Um, right. Uh, and, and we did, and it was <laughs> honestly that it went on for decades, and and maybe it's still going on, but recently. I guess you could say ended, um, but that has affected us, literally has affected generations. And it's funny you brought up that it's in history books because I was going to say, you want me to make you feel old? <laughs> exactly. I was talking to my neighbor the other day, and she is a junior high American history teacher. Uh-huh. And so I asked the question, well, what do you cover? And she said, from 1776, so the Declaration, up until... 2001, <laughs> 9-11. You made history, bro. And I thought, holy cow, like yeah. our lives that we lived then as teenagers is now taught history. as history. Right. And it should be. It yes. absolutely should be. But it was just kind of that, wow, we lived it and now it's being taught as history. So uh, I guess a blessing that we've lived long enough that our what we've experienced can be history. Absolutely. Yeah. So we've mentioned... 9-11, that wasn't really a natural disaster. Natural disasters, not attacks, is what we're really talking about today. And there are some similarities uh, about the two, but natural disasters at this point in time are act, are more common and something that families should be pre- preparing for. So why are we doing this? Why are we choosing this topic for the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast? Yeah, and, and you said they are more common. I, you have people on both sides of the spectrum on that, and, and that's not what we're getting into. But why I'm bringing it up now is because I think we hear about them more because of the technology that we have, how fast communication travels. You know, we are talking about an event here in Morocco that took place on September, was it September 11th? Was it on that day? No, I, I think it was... Uh, the day before that? I think for them it was September the 8th. Yeah. Right? Yep. And... By that night or next morning or whenever our morning was, uh, when I heard it first, it was crazy because they had said it was a 6.8 magnitude earthquake, which I was like, that's pretty big. I've mm-hmm. heard there's bigger, you know. And the first like news article that came out was like a 1,000 people dead. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that is a lot of people. And then as the day went on, as my phone kept giving me alerts and you had CNN and Apple News and Fox News and all these that I'm I'm on all of them wanting to see all sides. But yeah, throughout the day, every alert that I got, they were adding on more and more deaths. Um, What's the number now, Brian? I think I've seen over 2,600 people. Yeah. People are saying around 3,000, 2,800 plus. Yeah. Right. You know, this is an outdoor podcast and we talk a lot about uh, having fun. But one of the things that we focus on a lot is survival. We teach survival a lot uh, at our programmings. Uh, we're going to include it in our school. Like survival is important. We love to teach it. It is very popular for us. And this is what this is kind of falling into. Like this is a survival aspect. Natural disaster is real really for anybody anywhere. And we should think about it and prepare for it and not just go through life well 
it probably won't happen to me. Right. Because uh, it could. It can. Hopefully not. It can. And absolutely. probably not, but it absolutely can, and it might. So we want to put some things out there for you to consider that may uh, set you, you and your family up uh, to to live through it. Yeah, I mean, the people in Hawaii didn't think that the wildfires were going to impact right. them. Right, another recent one that, that, right. that we can use here, yeah. And so, you know, before I, we move into that, I do want to um, add Morocco, all those people to your prayer lists. Uh, I think it's important that we pray for them, their families, um, pray for the people that are going down there, because when we talk today about this this preparedness, we have organizations like Convoy of Hope that send people to help out, and it is dangerous for them. And so pray for these organizations that um, have big hearts and want to go down and, and truly help these people, the first responders. Keep all those people in your prayers. Um, they need it. They've, they've got a, a long road ahead of them here in Morocco, so... Do you have the definition of a natural disaster? We, we love to define things before we start. Let's define what a natural disaster is. For me, it's like when you are eating spaghetti and you get you a big old scoop of noodles and the meatball is like balanced up on the fork. And right before you take a bite, the meatball falls off and rolls down, not just your shirt, mm. but your pants, and then falls on the floor. And then the dog scurries by and scoops it up before you can even save it. But, that's a natural disaster. But see, I don't believe that fits it because for me that's not natural. What's natural is when you are meeting a new group of people, uh, someone that you may not know very well, and as you're talking, you feel a booger fall, maybe hanging in your nose, or it falls then out of your nose, and you are looking at them and like, did you see that? That's natural. There's nothing you could do about it. It was natural, and to me well, that's yeah, a disaster. yeah, you could have blown your nose before you went. <laughs> That's preparedness, and yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about. Absolutely. So no, uh, natural disaster, by definition, uh, if you looked it up, Oxford Dictionary, one of those. Basically, it's going to say a natural event such as a flood, earthquake, or hurricane that causes great damage or loss of life. I don't think that fully covers everything, though. But it's definitely not a comprehensive list of natural no. disasters. No. You know, Convoy of Hope, this is a resource that I've turned to a lot um, because they are going into so many areas and regions to help people. Um, they have a lot of great resources on their website, but they have kind of used oh, an infographic that I want to share with you guys that really lists kind of all natural disasters, things that has happened in the past or could happen. And I want to share those with you. And the reason I think it's important that we share these with you and you take them to heart is think through and do your own research. Can these natural disasters happen in your area where you live? Can they? And if they can, then those are the ones that you need to be planning around. Because we're talking about global natural disasters, not everything that we're about to say will happen in your area, but a lot of them can. And let's break them down. So you first have what's called geophysical. Geophysical is going to be your earthquakes and or volcanic activity. Thankfully here where we live in the Ozarks, we don't have to worry about volcanic activity, but one that is on our radar is earthquakes. Mm-hmm. I know that we have a huge fault line um, in the, the uh, southeastern part of yeah, Missouri. Over, over in our boot hill, we have the, the New Madrid Fault, and it has had some, some large or near seven size earthquakes in the 1800s. We haven't had anything recently, but uh, people are predicting that the next one's going to be huge. Like Not if, but when. Yeah. Like close to eight. Right. And we will, 
where we live, they're saying we would definitely feel that, but likely wouldn't have any significant damage. But it would affect our state and people that we know that live in those areas. Absolutely. You bet. I mean, I've got family that lives in the Boot Hill. Right. Yeah. Definitely uh, uh, cause a lot of problems. Next is hydrological. And what they place under that category is your floods. Um, so all your flooding, and then what happens with flooding is some of that landslide where you have so much precipitation coming down. Um, if your, you know, roots uh, from plants and trees, rocks, your big boulders, if they are not holding back that that land, you'll have those huge mudslides, landslides, and that has killed people. There's records of, of it killing people and, and destroying cities and towns, you know, down below. So next is your meteorological, which these are the ones that most people talk about. That's what we hear about. It was where the definition lended itself to here. And those are your storms and your extreme temperatures. And then within storms, we could look at hurricanes, tornadoes, lightning. You know, where, um, where, we, where we live in the western part of Missouri, southwestern part, we are considered to be in tornado part of Tornado Alley. So that is something, honestly, every year, all year long, that we do have to consider. Every time a storm comes up, we have to keep lookout for that. I've been close to tornadoes. I've never been in one. I know people that have personally went through them. I know uh, you probably know people personally as well. I remember the My day. My wife's family has actually yeah. had uh, their house hit by a tornado. and Yeah, absolutely. Where we live, pretty much everyone knows someone that has been affected by a tornado. And we have to, multiple times a year, our families, we have to take cover because there's one close enough that that's required mm-hmm. for us. And thankfully, we have the technology now that we really know it's coming before it happens. But I remember the day that uh, it was 2011, the Joplin tornado. Mm-hmm. It was Joplin, Missouri. is about an hour away from where we live. It was an EF5. You're it killed right. yeah. close to 200 people and demolished over 8,000 homes and businesses. I mean, a big deal in a southwest Missouri town close to where we live. I was at a wedding when it struck. And people that I was with, uh, actually my friend that I was sitting next to, his son was in Joplin when it happened. And and just seeing the sheer panic that these natural disasters can cause, it really is for everyone and everywhere, no matter where you're at. It may be a different type of natural disaster from that list you just read. It may be less frequent, but I, I can't think of many areas, and I guess I could probably dive into some research, but there maybe are areas that aren't susceptible to them at all. But just thinking off the top of my head, I, I really feel like anywhere in the world, something from that list could happen. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and there are a couple more I want to share on here. But I want to talk about this now so I don't have to bring it up later. Um, in 2011, when that tornado went through Joplin, um, on the backside of that, uh, as they were starting to clean up and kind of try to get get the town back mm. safe enough to e- – this is even before they could even go in and start building anything. Yep. Just kind of that cleanup, the recovery. Um my wife and I actually stopped in because there was a reach out. There was a call to action of come help the Humane Society because there were animals, domesticated animals, that were everywhere. Mm. You know, And that, those are things that – that's why we're talking about this today. We want you to start thinking outside the box, thinking about what could happen. Look up at what's happened in other cities. There were so many animals, and people were dropping off these animals at the Humane Society. They had nowhere for these animals because, I mean, what, think about how many – dogs probably live in a town and if a tornado comes through and destroys every home 
they're going that not only could they be torn away from the home you have they have them out wandering around like where do they go what do they do and so we actually went and adopted um she's still alive today uh but we adopted a dog to try to kind of help out we wanted one um we were getting ready to get married that's where you and we got killing? A good dog. Uh-huh. i had no idea yeah, that's where we, you got, we got her from the joplin humane society because they we had actually went up to kansas city with some family on the we we went down south there and swung by and, and picked her up and so but that was kind of a wake up for me of like, I never thought about cats and dogs and birds and cages and fishes yeah, and tanks. Like the, the deep, deep effect of yeah, natural disaster. Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, how it impacts just everything. And so. Man, I drove by a few days. I shouldn't say I drove by. I drove out to Joplin. It was like four or five days after it happened to go on some cleanup projects. And by then they had most of the main roads cleared. I'm talking like you. Like it's not real. Like you can't right. you can't wrap your mind around. And today the the city is rebuilt and recovered, and and that is so awesome. And that's one of those steps and one of those phases that recovery and rebuilding stage. But it I didn't know this. I just learned this here reading. Uh, it's kind of an interesting fact. That is the costliest tornado ever in the history of the United States. Really? At the time, it cost two point eight billion dollars to repair the damage. Right. With inflation today, that'd be three point six four billion dollars in damage from a single tornado. That's unreal, man. And that's, and that's crazy. And money's one thing, but hundreds of lives lost. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, there's two others that they're gonna they're gonna share under this natural disaster category. You have, and I can't hardly ever say this word, <laughs> climatological. Did I say that right? Climatological. Is that a word you try to say a lot? <laughs> Correct. <laughs> you know, climate is the word. So climatological. I the think study you did a good. I think you did a good job. I'm oh, just laughing you. at. I can't ever say this word. You said. I'm like, well, is that a word you try to say a lot? <laughs> oh, I, I don't you. know that I've ever tried uh, to say yeah, it. Yeah, since yesterday, looking at all this, I've been trying to say it out loud. <laughs> it, I'm glad it came out okay. You did good. So there's there's two underneath that, and they call it drought and wildfire. And mm. you know, I I've always like thought of drought being under like your storms, but it's actually a lack of those, I guess. Right. Yeah. So. Drought, no rain, then that causes end of, we could definitely have wildfires during those dry times. You know, wildfires on the list of all these natural disasters, the data, like, that's one of the lowest um, death rates. Was, right, was from causes wildfires. a lot of, right. uh, of damage to buildings and things. But yes, property damage. Property but, damage, but not a, not a lot of loss of life. So that one in right. Hawaii uh, seems to be kind of an anomaly because right. a lot of people did lose their lives there. Exactly, yep. Um, and, and then the last one is biological, and it's epidemic, and the other one here, you know, we've heard about it, we've talked about it, we've seen it in movies, but I haven't experienced it, so it's never crossed my mind, but is that insect infestation, mm. and never even thought about that killing people, but it could through even wiping out your crops, you know, and that, that then stems down right. through that being listed as a natural disaster. So, you know, Ben, when I was in high school... Um, we had a unit in our U.S. history class where if we knew someone that had lived through the Great Depression or, or Dust Bowl times, we could invite them in to speak to our class. And several people did. We were able to find someone. Uh, my na- I, I talked to my neighbor, and he came and spoke. And just listening to the things that they experienced, it was like, several things from that list you just read happening mm-hmm. all at once from the extreme temperatures to the drought they had the invasion of insects right. wiping fire wildfires they had all of these things just completely compounding on top of each other yet these humans 
are so strong, they were able to adapt and, and survive. And our generations have passed on today. And that it, we aren't that far removed from that. There are still people alive today that can tell those stories of living through those times. The, my point in saying that is we feel like that was so long ago. Everything feels so distant in the past but it really isn't, and we should still be preparing. And they may even become more frequent as we progress. No, you're you're right. I, you know, natural disasters. It's crazy as we look into all this. Like thinking about the past. You know, you said they were strong. Um, some of this, for me, honestly, feels like they had more of a fear for God back in those days than we do now. And that's where the true strength came from to persevere through a lot of this. But you know, looking at some of the data on natural disasters and let me. Convoy of Hope uses this resource called Our World and Data to kind of show the numbers. Um, and so, natural disasters on average are killing forty-five thousand people a year, but that's globally. So, the whole list that we talked about of all the natural disasters, putting them together, is around forty-five thousand people a year. That's all. Honestly, that's a smaller number than I would have expected. Yep, but what they're saying is that deaths from natural disasters have actually seen a decline from many, many, many years yeah, ago. Yeah, 100 like, years ago. Yeah. Right. And so you're, historically, the droughts and the floods were the most fatal disaster events for those people that you're talking mm-hmm. about from the past. Today, though, the most deadliest events are earthquakes. So earthquakes are starting to kill more, and we just seen that, right? Just, which is what really sparked this this topic, this this earthquake in Morocco. I didn't know. It sounds awful that almost three thousand people have been accounted for as dead in this in this recent earthquake. In 1960, they had a, an earthquake in Morocco that killed fifteen thousand people. Wow, fifteen thousand. I didn't know that. I do know that their infrastructure. I wonder if it's changed any, but when we were looking at how some of these places were built, um, you can see why those numbers are high and, and could become even higher right. as, as the days go on. So where this happened in Morocco is up in the Atlas Mountain Range, and these these people have literally built their homes and their structures into the side of the mountains. It's very, very steep, and they've built them out of materials, natural materials. They've used rock and stone and they call them mud brick, but it's it's dirt and mud mashed together with, with stone and rock, and they formed these walls and these buildings. So they are brittle. It isn't the modern structures that you would think of if you are living in this first world country of the United States. Right, right. And, and I think that's kind of, you know, as we're talking about natural disasters, you preparing for what you have— Brian was just talking about how tornadoes, he goes to the shelter. You know, he actually has a house with a basement. If you don't have a basement or a storm shelter, that is something you need to take serious. You know, like if you have, if you live down in Florida and you're used to hurricanes, if you've built your house up on the big pylons, pillars to where that flooding, those huge waves can't come in and destroy your home, that is a type of preparedness. But for some of us, maybe even like the, the people from Morocco, Sometimes you only have what you have, you know, and that's why we want to share some insight to what is preparedness. How can you prepare? Because you may not be able to afford to build. We actually have a castle here in in the Ozarks. Mm. A man came in, built this huge castle 
off of one of our, our busy highways. You can see it way off in the distance. It is massive, but it's all made of concrete and supposedly it can withstand yeah. that category five. But I can't afford that. I can't make that. We were just recently out uh, touring a property, a, a boys ranch, and yeah. they were building a new housing structure right. for the boys and they... They had experienced a tornado several years ago. You may remember Brandon, Brandon and Axel from Whetstone Boys Ranch. They were on the podcast, oh, maybe about a month ago or so. And we were recently on theirs, and that episode is going to come out this week. But while we were out there recording that with them, they were showing us the damage from a tornado they had. Oh, my gosh, it was like 10 years ago or so. And they, you could still see trees that were damaged. They told us about how it almost shut them down. We toured the property and saw foundations and that's all that was there was foundations from barns and structures that were completely demolished but just the foundation remained but when we saw this new construction site the way they were building this foundation was quite unique and probably a little more expensive but they were taking that step to protect these boys that are going to be living in that home they were pouring a foundation that was reinforced with rebar and cages all the way throughout, and then the entire thing was lined and formed with this special like foam locked together Lego-like structure. Right. And I said, wow, is that going to be good for tornadoes? And they said, yes, that's why we're doing it. This building will withstand an EF5 tornado, or EF4 tornado is EF4. what they said. Yeah. And, you know, if you have the means to to do that, then prepare your family. Do that. You know, I can't, I don't, I do have a basement, thankfully. That was one of the things I was looking for living here in the Ozarks. When I, as a first time home buyer, I wanted a basement and I had to, I had to lose some other features like extra shops and more mm -hmm. land. I couldn't afford all that. I really wanted a basement and I'm thankful I did. It gives me that peace of mind um, in regards to tornadoes here in the Ozarks. Shortly after my first son was born, we were living in a home that was a crawl space home. Mm. Mm -hmm. I remember, yes. There was a tornado yep. that went less than a mile from our house. And my my plan, which I had made before, was we would get in this hallway because it was an interior hallway, middle of the house, no exterior walls, no windows. I was going to close every door to every bedroom. And I we hid in there, and I piled cushions from the couch and every pillow and everything I could possibly imagine but you're it was so different because I was laying amongst all this stuff in this hallway holding my baby right right and so after that I made this plan I was gonna cut out part of the floor my crawl space you could stand up in it but it didn't really have a door from the outside I was gonna make to where you could pull up part of the floor and go down into this crawl but crawl space during a tornado Decided it'd be easier just to get a new house. <laughs> <laughs> so now I have a house with a basement. Right, right. No, that's good. I do remember, I remember you doing that. I remember yeah. talking and looking at it. It was a it. terrible feeling. Yeah, it is. It is. And and I think that's because you have been around tornadoes, experienced tornadoes, seen what they can do. You know, some of these other natural disasters, when we don't see them or hear much about them, it is hard to plan for them. It's hard to even give care to them or the respect sometimes they deserve because... We haven't faced it or we don't know anybody that has. But hopefully, though, as we talk through this, some of this is, is going to wake you up to these are the hypotheticals. These are the possibilities. Um, and how can you plan? And so, you know, I, I first want to start off by saying that first responders aren't probably what you think they are. You know, I truly believe that we, the people, are the first responders because we are the first ones on scene. 
you may be in a situation where you see somebody collapse and fall from a medical issue, a trauma. We could even experience a natural disaster together and you come out. We, the people, are the first ones on scene. So right? watching this, the, the news report on this Moroccan mm-hmm. uh, earthquake, this tragedy, they were interviewing some of, some of the citizens and I don't want to say they were complaining, but they were complaining that they were the ones digging through the rubble for their family, right. that the government didn't get there fast enough to dig through the rubble. Right. And basically kind of what you're saying is we can't expect that. They can't possibly serve everyone. They can't be there in an instant. Right. You do the work to prepare because whether you like it or not, when it happens and it strikes to you and your family, you are going to be there. You're going to be the first one. You are. Not by choice, but you are. Well, and we get, I think, today in this first world country where well, this actually 1969 is when um, President Lyndon Johnson um, had a committee on the highway traffic safety, and he recommended the creation of a, it was basically a national certification agency. Long story short, it becomes the National Registry for EMTs. And so I was an EMT. I was actually a nationally registered EMT. And so I understand the whole aspect of first responder, of, of coming in. They're waiting on you to get there. It's this waiting for help. And after leaving that and getting away from that, I want to wake more people up and say, listen, you there are things you can be doing while waiting for help to arrive. And it's your, I think, honestly, your responsibility to do that. We mm-hmm. shouldn't be sitting around and waiting for other people, especially after listening to this podcast, <laughs> after listening to this podcast, having some information and and knowing maybe some steps to take, that is the start. You know, I do want to give a shout out to the dispatch team. So anyone that's working dispatch, they actually are the true first responders in regard to the responder world. They're the ones that get the call. They're the ones that are there trying to calm the people down on the phone, trying to give direction while doing that, getting the transport team headed in the direction to give the help. It is a really tough job, and I don't think they get enough credit. Um, So I want to give a a shout-out to them. But they are our second and third line of help. You know, they really are. We, the people, should start bringing back this mindset of we are on the grounds first. What can I do? How can I help until more people can come to help, especially more people that have trained and practiced around this daily? Okay, so let me ask you this. With that being said, do you, Ben, actually believe that we can prepare for natural disaster? I mean, they are devastating. They're they're deadly. They're tragic. Do you think that we there's anything that we can actually do to prepare for them? Uh, prepare? Absolutely. We can definitely prepare. So what can we start doing? So let's look at... There are five phases of emergency management. Remember, five phases of emergency management. You can look this up. Almost every huge large-scale organization is going to be looking around these five phases because it's what we've learned that happens and that we need to do. And within these five phases, you have prevention, mitigation, preparedness, response, and recovery. And so you could even look at the Morocco as an example. You know, right now they're, they're trying to recover. So they're at the end right now of this podcast. They're in recovery mode, trying to recover the people that are still alive and then going to have to recover from cleanup to, you know, I don't want to get in. We have children that listen to this, but you got to think about when, when there is a drastic amount of death in an area, what do you do with, with all that? 
You know, mm-hmm. where does that go? Because then that poses a threat, another disaster to the people that are trying to live there. Right. And so there's a huge, huge cleanup, uh, a lot of responsibilities that's going to have to take place there. But what I want to talk about today is kind of in that prevention, but more preparedness, because I don't believe that you and I can truly prevent these. But in the prevention aspect, they're going to look at like your mitigation as well. So what can we build? What can we have around us? What can we bring in that's going to maybe help prevent these things? But I mean, I think it's a good plan, but just because you put a house on stilts doesn't mean that's always going to hold up. Right. right? So how can we be prepared? And that's kind of what I want to dig into that preparedness side, something that's realistic for you as the leader of your home to start preparing your family for. And so let's dig into that, what that really looks like. Do you think that because we live in a first world country that we have more opportunity to be, be prepared? Because I'm looking at I'm looking at the way they built their houses on these mountains and the materials they were built out of and the way they're like, these homes were sharing walls with other homes. They're all stacked in there. And, and the roads to get in there are one, one lane roads going up twisty mountains that have traffic problems going in and out anyway, like we have more opportunity to actually be prepared than them, right? Well, you'd think, you'd think, but I mean, we also build up more than out, you know, anything that you keep building up in regards to an earthquake, that's more weight above your head. So, right. but if more people went outdoors, then they'd be safer in an earthquake. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. That's the crazy thing about when this one struck, they were all like sleeping in their beds. Uh, right. The time of the right. time. All right. So under preparing, so the preparedness side, you know, when a disaster strikes, it's kind of too late. And this is why we want to talk about what do I do before that even happens? And so FEMA is a great website to check out. If you want to dig into what they offer, what they have quickly, they're going to share. You want to first get informed. You want to make a plan, assemble your kit and then maintain that plan and that kit as you get older, as time goes by, as things change. And so knowing those four, you first want to start thinking about which of these natural disasters impact me, which can impact me, and then what's my plan for my family. And that's what's hard to talk about in a podcast because you will need to sit down and plan that with your family. Mm. If your kids are at school, where are you going to meet? How are you going to get to them? Yeah. You know, if you do, you have a basement on your home. Do you have a basement tornado, on your home. Right. Um, you got to think through all those possibilities and then make a plan. You know, something my mom did growing up is we had a code word, and I was about to say what the code word was, but I'm going to keep it just in case. I'm not a keep kid it anymore, a code word. but you never know what it is. But she was just saying, it's hey, a secret, just like her keypad for her locks is a exactly. Secret. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, it's not a secret, Lisa. That number she uses for everything, right? <laughs> you know, the reason that we had that, she's like, if I ever have to send somebody to come get you and you don't know who they are. Oh, that's smart. Yeah. If they don't give you this, this saying, this thing, then it ain't for me. Don't go with them. Right. And so well, I that's knew. That's really smart. I never it, thought about that. It was, yeah. it was a great thing that she added. So I knew that if anything ever happened, if somebody was to come get me, I knew what to ask them and I knew what to hear. And if I didn't hear it, then. That wasn't a part of the plan. So make those plans with your family. Again, you can get in these websites. Church, there's a, lo- uh, uh, there's a lot of websites that you can find this information on. However, start making it that works for you and your family. Maybe it's bicycles you're using. I don't know what mode of transportation you have, but think through all, all of that. But what I want to really dig into on the preparedness side is 
a kit. I love gear. I love kits. I think they're so important. Whether you want to call them go bags, bug out bags, kits, uh, emergency preparedness kit, whatever you want to call this thing, that is what I want to just quickly go over to start getting your mind, your wheels turning on what it is that you can add mm-hmm. and, sh- and should add in it and have with you. Now, is this kit something that are you really thinking for us, like earthquake, tornado, those are the two that we really have to worry about? Or are you thinking that like really any natural disaster people can put this together for? Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to make a bug out bag. And that bug out bag is going to consist of everything that I need. Yeah, well, that pretty much wraps up the episode because I can there go back is. to listen to episode 85 because we did a bug out bag. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember what episode it was, but we <laughs> did an episode on how to create a bug out bag. But the reason I want to bring this back up is you may not want or you don't believe in using the word bug out bag or building one. So let's look at what it would be to have a basic disaster supply kit. How about that? Would that work? Yeah, I've seen people do like uh, Rubbermaids and, and yeah. put it in Rubbermaid. Yeah, and, and maybe this is something you just leave in your transportation. You leave this in the back of your car so that when you need to leave the house, your plan was to go get in your vehicle, you have some of these items. But again, you're looking at the core four, food, fire, shelter, water. Again, food, fire, shelter, water. And in most of these situations, when we're talking about natural disasters, Shelter is going to be your primary. So usually something's happened to your shelter, your home, and that's the biggest issue. Where do you go? And and maybe the next is a vehicle. Maybe you've uh, you know an area outside the the city that you could go to. Family. Maybe it. I'm not joking, but maybe there is a cave that you know about, or maybe you have packed a tent, some sort of tent that is in this kit that when you leave you can go set it up out in the woods somewhere, not too far from maybe where your shelter is is messed up. Don't know. But shelter is is something that we need very quickly. And then secondary is water. Water, think about one gallon per person per day, thinking up to three days. You know, you cannot carry a bunch of water around with you enough for tons of people. So that's why we kind of rule of thumb is three days. But you need water for each of your family members that is so important because there isn't going to be fresh water anymore. Even mm-hmm. if there is running water, you see it spraying outside somewhere, it's going to be contaminated drinking, you know, fresh drinking water. You know, even flooding. As flooding comes through, you can't drink that water. It is contaminated. So water is just that. It's super important. Well, even within the confines of your home. You may lose water. You may not have access to water, so you need to have it drawn from your tap before this disaster happens. Yep. What I think about is in my basement, the area that, that we go to, um, I keep it set up with beds for the kids and, and blankets and lights. One of the main things that I keep in there is jugs of water mm-hmm. because I may not, it may wipe my house out. And I, we may be trapped in this room in my basement. I may not be able to get upstairs. Right. right. That's good. Water can keep us alive for a long time, just having water. But also, even if you weren't trapped, you may not be able to fill up water off of your tap after. I mean, I have a well that has to have electricity. Just yeah. if the electricity goes out, I don't have access to clean water anymore. So have that water filled. We have shared a tip on our social media. Goodness, it feels like a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. If you think you may lose power or water, you can fill your bathtubs up. Fill them up and, and plug them with clean water and keep them full. And you'll have several, several gallons to use 
and hopefully be able to get through that disaster time. You know, another natural disaster within weather that we haven't brought up is an ice storm. We have mm. faced ice storms here. That's something that I do plan. When I know that that is a possibility of it coming, um, I will fill my bathtub up, plug it up, and I will fill it up with water so that in the event we lose it, we can we can use it to flush toilet still. We can use it if we want to drink it. If we're like, ah, it may still be dirty, well, then go boil it. But you have access to water right there in your home. That is such a great thing to do, Brian. I'm glad yeah. you brought that one up. I made a joke about ending the podcast because everybody could just go listen to episode, I said 85. It's episode 19. 19? As I think is 100 Whoa. episodes ago, we did a bugging out episode. So wow. if you want to go back and listen to bugging out, building the bug out bag, Go back and listen to episode 19 of the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. Don't judge us for how incredibly awful we were at that time. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> I think it was great. It was great. Um, so moving then from food, or excuse me, moving from shelter water now is kind of the food. The food. It's You don't have to have food to survive in this. But let me tell you, when you have food to eat, uh, it helps the mind, it helps the soul, it helps the heart, like it makes you feel good when you get some sort of uh, food in you when you haven't had it for several hours or even a day. So throw something that's non-perishable in that kit. Mm-hmm. You know, Brian said, you know, throw an airtight airtight plastic tub or something, but I still feel, and I want to stress this, a backpack, a duffel bag, something that you can grab and go, though, because each disaster is different. If you're in an area of flooding and you may have to flee your home, then you want something you can grab and carry with you. You really do. You know, if it's a tornado, well, then hopefully you're keeping your kit in the basement with yeah. you. If it's an ice storm, that kit, you may not even need that kit for this, right? However, if you only want one spot for all your disaster supplies, then you could think about adding in things like flashlights, batteries, you know, if when the power goes out. Um, something I keep in every kit is a whistle because if I do need to reach out for help, especially if I'm cold, hungry, tired, oh, thirsty. Like if you were buried in debris. Buried in debris. Yeah. Um, a whistle is so much louder and easier. You can blow a whistle. Oh, that's a good tip. I didn't even think about that one either. So you throw that in the bag. Why didn't you ever tell me this? Well, maybe I don't want you to be found. <laughs> So, you know, thinking through um, some of the other emergency that they're going to tell you about, I am not a fan of wearing a mask on my face all day, every day. I'm not. Um, but while doing that... When would we ever have to do that? Right. <laughs> and it's probably coming down the pipe again, I'm uh, hearing. Yeah, yeah. But that is something that I do keep in my kits. You know, this Morocco, these buildings, they were talking about how bad the dust was. Um, having a mask is going to be good to wear for those situations. And... Because we were in a day of all these masks, you can easily get these masks um, mm-hmm. to put in your... Yeah. You know, if you don't want to buy uh, that tent or you don't maybe have money for a tent, plastic sheeting, um, you know, we we talk a lot about trash bags. But if you have a large roll of that plastic sheeting and have some duct tape, you can make makeshift shelters in some of your areas in the home that, you know... Again, it depends on how safe or unsafe the area is, depending on right. what the natural disaster is. But um, some things that I also throw in my kit that's kind of that extra makes me feel good, like wet wipes. I love wet wipes. You know, think about how dirty, how how gross you would yeah. feel. You Clean, may even have wounds. Cleaning wounds, yeah. So getting yourself cleaned up. And then, you know, you definitely want to have your first aid kits added in there. Um, I always, in every kit... It's actually with my whistle is we, it's a brand name. I call it Leatherman, but a multi-tool. And 
in your multi-tool, you don't want, well, let me say it this way. I was going to say don't, don't just get a multi-tool with, with knives. You want a multi-tool with pliers. Because this is this is an aspect that that I have not yet talked with my family about because it isn't something that I was even on radar for preparedness. But there are going to be possible propane, water, electrical issues that you're going to maybe have to turn off. You know, if if your propane's out, um, something knocked it, and you have propane blowing, or you have electrical, you may have to shut the power off. You may have to turn those things off. Having a pair of pliers, or a wrench that's going to fit whatever those things mm-hmm. are. Have those items in your bag with you so they're they're not scattered around and you're trying to search. You have them with you. Um, you know, we saw somebody recently, uh, we were teaching at a school and uh, we needed access to the water and you had to have a water key. You had to have a key yeah. to uh-huh. the, the spigot outside. Mm-hmm. And we thought, boy, that would be... Uh, that would be something to add to one of these bags. Like if you were traveling, going from some of these commercial buildings, you have to have a key. It's mm-hmm. a universal key. You can buy it and it would it would work on all of theirs. But I think there's like four different sizes on one key. That would be a good thing to add to a pack too that's kind of obscure that maybe people don't think about. Something else that I want to remind people, if you have medication or maybe for my wife, it's glasses. She's got to have corrective eyewear or she cannot see at all. She's... She, I mean, like two inches, I think. Yeah. Or if there's medication you have to have, maybe get an extra one or keep an old out-of-date prescription somewhere. If you have to have that to survive, well, then that needs to be included in your kit. Definitely. So please consider that not only for yourself, but anybody that you're responsible for. And that's why when I started talking about this, the, the last part of that is maintaining and adapting your plans and kits. Because, you know, your first aid kit that you purchase or you build on your own, your medications will go out of date. They will expire, and you'll have to constantly be updating that. Um, now, this kind of gets more into urban wilderness survival, but I want to bring it up because you had talked about this key. You know, that is something that that preppers and bug-out bags and survivalists are starting to do is they are purchasing and buying these keys that are universal for everything. You know, all the way from even, um, and I just kind of lost the name of it, Brian, but your, your larger, um, you know. Uh, a hammer. No, not a hammer. Like, um, well, you can get it anything with a hammer. Large machinery, like uh, backhoes. Backhoes. Yeah. Um, I keep wanting to say caterpillars. What I'm right. trying to say. Right. So but. what what you're saying is a lot of brands like a John Deere tractor key will start most John Deere tractors. Correct. Uh, a Cub Cadet mower key is going to start like every Cub Cadet mower. Right. Exactly. And so you know, think about that might be a mode of transportation, or you may find one to help clear the road or to help clear the debris. Anyway, the point is that's that that's that crazy that I, I love to think about and talk about. But if you have access to those keys in your bag and you were to find those things in your area, of, of course, it's going to help you out. Yeah. So um, some other things to throw in your kit to think about. A can opener is, um, it, I think it's called P38. I think it's what they're called. Basically, the Army Survival can opener. They're flat. You can throw them in any backpack. But most of your multi-tools now come your, with can openers. Right. But Think about you will still be able to find canned goods in those areas that you may need. You may have packed those canned goods. You're going to have to have a can opener to get in there. Very difficult to open if you don't have one. So throw one of those in. Some people are going to say even maps. I am a map lover. But, you know, if you need a map of your area, grab it, throw in your bag. And then the cell phone. You know, your city power may be out. The tornado hit it. But if you get out far enough, you may be able to bounce off other towers. So a cell phone may work. Making sure you have maybe your backup 
you know, a solar charger or whatever. What about uh, weather radios? Like they have radios you can crank or solar uh-huh. charge. What about things like other things, uh, sources of communication like that? Absolutely. I was actually going to add that into the additional emergency supplies, uh, supplies. Like I think it's important to have that more to give you a peace of mind to hear that, oh, help's coming or we know right. what's happened, maybe to keep you connected. But at the end of the day, as a first responder in that moment, that isn't going to do a whole lot for me. But I think it's something that you should add because they're cheaper now. They don't cost a lot just to buy those crank solar powered style little radios that you can throw mm-hmm. in. Or it's just to have the National Weather Service to where you can hear if more storms are coming or to keep you in the know. So absolutely. But some other things to think about in your first aid kit, making like adding in soap, hand sanitizer. Um, you had talked about prescription medications. That's where I would store that and have my stuff in my first aid kit. Um, if you have babies. Diapers. Do you need diapers, bottles, uh, wet wipes, rash cream, you know, like the things that they need now mm-hmm. when they need them. Um, you know, you, we had even shared eyeglasses, contacts, your contact solution, like thinking through that. If you can't see, I know people that are legally blind unless they put their yeah. glasses on. So I, d- I just want to stress, don't tell yourself that you're going to think of these things in a time of stress yeah. and grab all them, even if it's just running to your basement. You aren't going to do that. You're not going to jump up out of your bed and run to your basement and remember everything that you need. You need to have extra. It needs to be in a location. And that is going to give you so much peace at mind that you know when the time comes, if the time comes, I'm good. Yes. I, I, yeah. I, I have prepared as much as I can. I may not survive, but I have done everything I can do with my power and preparedness to make sure that I give myself and my family a chance. Absolutely. I've talked about shelter, water, and food. I haven't said much on fire, and this is where I'm going to talk about it. Throw in some lighters, uh, ferro rods, waterproof matches, put them in waterproof containers, um, whatever. Uh, Get you, those pet balls in there. Yeah, petroleum jelly balls. balls pe- petro- uh, petroleum jelly, yeah. You know, other there's all kinds of forms of tender you can buy. Get your kit set where you have that. But that also adds in, think about a fire extinguisher. You know, in a natural disaster, there will be some sort of fire. When your house gets destroyed, it can cause fires from electricity to to uh, things hitting and, and exploding, right? Uh, water heater tanks, all kinds of stuff. And that's another one I didn't think about. Have your fire You're making my list, girl. I'm going to hey, have to add it. stuff to my room. I, that's, well, that's why we're friends. I'll help you. See, I told you I'd let you, I'd let you just hang out down there, but I will, I'll be coming to help Any you. Any other obscure things like that you wouldn't think of? Yeah, lastly is... Your children, making sure what is your plan with them to to get them. And then when you have them, to help keep them calm. Mm. You know, for me, it's a Bible. I'm going to keep the Bible, and I'm going to bring some games. Yeah. And we're going to read, and we're going to play. So books, games, puzzles, activities. You know, I'm not going to let them watch stuff on my phone because this is now my emergency device if I need to contact or to have. I'm going to keep minimal use on that. However, what are some toys and things that you can play in um, that, that the kids can play with to help keep calm, keep them cool, keep them collected, um, especially for your whole family? I just thought of a couple more. I've probably mentioned them before in other podcasts, but as we're sitting here, I just thought of them. I, I do them for my family, and they're, they're big, but they can go unthought of. One is shoes. If you have extra shoes, keep extra shoes in that pack or in that room that you're going to inside your home. If you have any inkling that an event is going, before you go to bed, put those shoes by your bed so that you can turn and you can put them on shoes. Like, think about running through debris, rubble, glass, nails, all these things without shoes. Think about your child having to do that. Have some shoes. Another thing is, I always 
keep a pair of pants ready to go. And when I mean ready to go, that's got my belt in it. That's got my wallet. It's got my keys. It's got my chapstick and it's got my knife. All my everyday carry ready to go. I can throw pants on and shoes in a moment's notice and be ready to go. As a man, I feel like I should be the first one ready and have those things prepared to go help my family. Um, so I, I keep those things every day. Yeah. I keep those things right. every day right. ready to go. Um, but you need to review these things with your family too. Yes. And and that is, well, that'll give you a peace of mind when you've talked through the possible plans. Can things change? Absolutely. But whenever, when you know what you've told your family to go do, you set the expectation, you know they're going to do it, it gives you peace of mind. Mm-hmm. You know, if you could afford this, then do it. If you can make a kit for your house, then make it. If you can make a kit also for your car, then make it. If you can make a kit to leave at work, then make it with all those items. Right. But that so gets so you're expensive. saying make four or five kits and yes. leave if possible. But yeah. that but it does get expensive and then it, it is hard to keep everything updated. So mm-hmm. at the minimum, make one go bag, make one bug out bag that's ready to go because you don't know. Also think about that planning. You're at work and something happens. What is your plan from work to home? What's your plan from work to family to get them to home? Think through all that. Think about the possibilities and, and see what what options you have in your area. Right. You know, we talk about things like this a lot, and I think some people think we're crazy. Well, we are. We're some crazy. people yeah. think some people think, wow, that's a really good idea, but they never do it. I want to share an exa- a, a kind of a funny story, <clears throat> but. I think it paints the picture of of what I'm saying. We have neighbors that don't have a basement. Mm. And there was a night when it was, they were like, you guys are getting tornadoes tonight. Like the meteorologists were like, these storms are bad. You're getting tornadoes. And so they called and said, hey, we don't have a safe place to go. If they're predicting these storms, they're headed our way. Can we come to your house and take shelter? Of course, absolutely. Come on. Well, it started to get bad. And they said, hey, we're getting ready to come down. We've got a, a box prepared full of our, we've got a box packed of our stuff. And I was so proud. I was like, oh my goodness, that is awesome. Yeah, yeah. And then they were like, well, don't be too proud. It's just our, our pictures in wedding books and stuff that we don't want to lose. Oh no, I gotcha. So gotcha. I say that funny Yes. because they were preparing a box it wasn't anything that was going to help them. It was just sentimental things. Two things I will say about that. If you die, what do those things matter? They're just left for somebody else. Yeah. Secondly, maybe you do throw a sentimental item, a special picture, a, a wedding DVD, something into your pack. Maybe you do. Right. But don't pack a whole box full of just those things because it isn't going to help you get through a natural disaster. No, and, and you were sharing that People know they need one, but probably don't make it. Right. Hopefully, after listening to this, it it gives you maybe the drive to to do it. When I was five, uh, was I four or five? Four or five, right in there somewhere. My house burned down, and I remember everything to the T. Like that's like the earliest memory I have is is my house catching on fire. And I think from then on, I think that's why I love kits so much, and I love having my stuff in my pack because I know that I can I can have it with me because I do remember losing. A lot of what I had in my like what I had and owned it, it's gone. It was done. And the sentimental side, the reason I'm sharing this is is from the story. 
my mom went back through after that house fire and found a lot of the pictures, but most of our stuff burned up. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, there'll be times where my mom will be like, you know, I, I, I kind of wish we still had some pictures to look at, but at the end of the day, we're both safe. Yeah. We made it through. It would be cool to have them, but it ain't worth it. Mm-hmm. If you're that worried about those things, then get a, a fire safe and put them in there and then leave it. Yeah. Come back for it. Come later. back for it later. You know, that's a good thing. Um, Brian, before we kind of wrap this up, I do want to ask you. I want to ask you because I am hearing, again, we have a lot more effective communication in our first world uh, with technology today. We get it so fast. We hear about majority of the things that are happening. But the Bible tells us that the nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places, and all these are the beginning of birth pains. You know, that alone just drives me to know that there is an end. There is an end. It also tells me that um, all the stuff we hear about now, wildfires and and earthquakes and tornadoes, that it could get worse. Mm -hmm. The frequency and severity could get worse. Right. Um, It it isn't, the Bible isn't directly saying that it will, but man, if if you read... That was from Matthew 24 that you yeah, read. Correct. If you read the rest of that chapter and then jump to Revelation and read through Revelation, it, it sounds like it gets worse. And and that isn't to scare you. This podcast is not meant to let to push anyone into living in fear. Prepare yourself. And don't live in fear. But most importantly, Ben, we should repent. And and why? Well, I'll say it. I'll say it this way by using Jesus's words and and. You know, there was a time, uh, this would be in Luke 13, 1 through 5, there was a time when, well, natural disasters are always happening. Mm. They're always happening. They, they've happened from the beginning of time because of the fall of man and, and what God did. He cursed. He basically cursed the earth. We'll, we'll read it right here. Cursed is the ground for your sake, and toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles, it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. He impacted. God cursed this earth, and he also cursed the woman in giving her birthing, the labor, the pains. Like that birthing process is going to be a lot more painful than it than it was, and it was probably wasn't painful at all. Right. I don't know pre cursed. Well, I want to. What I take away from what you just read, Ben, is this. You know, as I was reading through Mor- the Morocco thing, reading all different articles, getting ready for this podcast. Um, I read and saw something that disturbed me. What's that? And that was that the 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 country of Morocco is only 0.01% Christian. That's so very little. And so you have people saying that it's God's wrath. Mm. Gotcha. The natural disasters are indiscriminate. Correct. It, it isn't God's wrath being poured out. It, it it can happen to any of us. Well, let me maybe you said it isn't God's wrath being poured out. Man sinned, and because of those actions, God had to hold us accountable to it. And here comes the curse. And from that curse, I believe that's why we have natural disasters. That's what's taking place. This earth is moaning and groaning yes. for the return yes. of Jesus. Of Jesus. Yes. I do want to state, though, that in Isaiah 45, I believe it's uh, like somewhere around 6th and then into 7, it says... I am the Lord, there is no other. I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. God literally says, I 
create calm and I create calamity. But what he isn't doing is picking out a group of people and Correct. saying, because I am here to say. And I want to say shame on people for saying that. Exactly. Let's use some more scripture. It's Luke 13, 1 through 5. This is Jesus talking to the people here. And he says, now on the same occasion, there were some present who reported to him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And he answered and said to them, do you suppose that these Galileans were greater sinners than all other Galileans? The answer is no, no, they were not. No, and he goes on then, it keeps going down, and says, or do you suppose that those 18 on whom the tower in, I think it's Siloam, fell and killed them were worse culprits than all the men who live in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise I don't have perish. to answer that one because he answered for us, no. <laughs> no, well, you answered no, and Jesus also says no. Yeah. So... We can see that, that God the Creator, we have there's consequences for our actions in regards to when we talk about the curse. And from that, we have these things, these events that are taking place. And he isn't picking a group of people out. And Jesus is telling us that these things are going to happen to all of us. Right. There's one thing that you should do. And what is that? Yeah, repent. 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 So if, if you're going to make a bug out bag, the first step before making the bag is it's get right repent. with Jesus. Yeah. And what what that means is acknowledge him as Lord and Savior that got up on the cross and, and spilled his blood to cover you because just like someone in Morocco who doesn't follow Jesus, you're just as bad regardless if, if you call yourself a Christ follower or not. The only difference is that if you've accepted his gift, his blood covers your sin and you, you walk away from the things that you're doing in your life and you get to go to be in heaven with him. So whether natural disaster hits you and kills you it doesn't matter because you have everlasting life with him. So that is the most important thing that you can do to prepare for natural disaster. It is indiscriminate. Repent. That is the most prepared that you can be. It is. Then go on and take care of your family. Do the things you can do physically here on earth and to we give, your chan- we're, we're to give yourself a chance to. Right, right. right. And we, we should. And at the end of the day, if your preparation and what you took with you fails, and mm-hmm. guess what? You get to go spend eternity with the creator. Amen, brother. Amen. <laughs> and that's that's even better. So Amen. it's a win-win for you. Let me tell you that. Well, with that, we'll wrap it up. If you do have any questions for us about maybe some gear or bags or anything that you would like to add to your disaster preparedness kit, please reach out to us. Best email is m2boutdoors at gmail.com. Message us on Facebook, on Instagram. I think you can even message us on TikTok now, which is a new feature that they've added. Follow all those accounts. Whatever platform you listen to the podcast on, please, 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 the easiest thing you can do to give us a thanks, to help us out, is leave us a rating and a review. It goes a long way to help out our show. We are so thankful for everyone that listened. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Between now and that time, we hope that you remember you are meant to be outdoors. Thank you for listening to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, hosted by Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. Please help us by subscribing. Also, follow along on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook.